Praise the Lord. You guys can sit down. Praise God. Praise God. Good evening. Good evening, good evening, good evening. I'm excited to be here. How many are excited to hang out with God's people and Jesus tonight? Yeah. That's what's up. I'm so glad. I like this. Y'all know what's going on. Y'all know I sweat bad, so I'm glad y'all got me a nice big towel. That video was funny as I don't know what. Who did that? I'm going to put a contract on somebody's life for that video. But I do want to have a copy of that. That was great. That was great, and that's fun, and that is, I'm glad um, Pastor Joby told me right before I came up, he said, we don't, we don't take ourselves seriously. And um, I saw that through that video right there. Um, but, man, I'm, I'm really excited to be here, thankful uh, for Pastor Joby um, inviting me. And just already I can, I can just tell you, you have great leadership. Um, I, I can already just tell you that right now. Um, you have great leadership in Pastor Joby. And then um, and many times uh, us as lead pastors look like we're good leaders because we have a lot of great people around us. And it is clear to me, it is, it is just really, really clear to me that what God is up to here is unbelievable. And part of the reason why is such a great group of leaders, pastors, lead servants, and different types of people. So let's give God a big up for all those groups of people. Pastor Joby, the whole team, it is, it, it is nuts. I'm, I'm, just, I, I'm just really, really thankful for all that. Will y'all tell me that clock at? So I make sure I stay in the time limits. Amen. There it is right there. Amen. It's far from me, so I'm going to make sure I see it quite often during the, uh, during the course of this message. Um, I'm, I'm excited to preach tonight because I think that um, the, the, in the spirit of what Pastor Joby kind of shot to me was that this was sort of, even though this is your Thursday night worship gathering or service, as some call it, um, it's also a time that he is believing God for revival. How many of you are believing God for revival? How many of you are believing that down in your spirit? Yeah, yeah, and so, and so, and so, and so I, 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 I feel like I'm at home. Is that okay for me to act like I'm at home? Okay. And so, and so at, at home, we, we go back and forth with each other, all right? So, so, so that means if the Lord blesses you, 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 you can say amen. Let's practice real quick. One, two, three. Amen. And, and then, and then if, the, if the Holy Ghost punches you in the kidney, you don't say amen, you say ouch. All together, one, two, three. Yeah, if he step on your toes or hit you in the kidney, that, it means the Spirit of God lives in you, and that's a good thing. Because the Lord disciplines those who he loves, and if he's jamming you up in your soul, guess what you go? You go, ouch. You can even look and say, did I hit you too? Ouch, ouch. You can look at each other and go, ouch, all right? And so that's what we're going to do tonight. But I, I, I want us to, if you, if you don't mind, stand to your feet, um, open up your Bibles to uh, Psalm 51. Uh, I, I was told that if you don't have a Bible with you, there is one right in front of you. Same Bible, same translation uh, that um, we can <coughs> walk through this together. We won't, we won't be going through this whole passage, but we'll be going through um, sections of it, of the first section of it, to sort of help us to dive into what I believe the Lord Jesus has for us tonight. When you get there, say amen. 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 If you're not there yet, say hold up. Okay, we got a lot of hold ups. Help them, somebody. Helping somebody right beside. Don't be, don't be scared, though. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all you can look at the table of contents. You ain't got to act like you know tumbles. You flipping the pages. You're going to miss Psalms. It's in the middle of the Bible. If you don't know it's in the middle of the Bible, if it's the ESV Bible, it's on page 474. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, now, let's go to, let's, let's, let's go to it. 
serious stuff, then we're going to pray and we're going to dig into the scriptures for the time that the Lord Jesus has allotted. Psalm 51, we're going to read, I'll probably stop at verse 12 and just reading. It says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. Uh, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified In your words, blameless in your judgment, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight, somebody say delight. You delight in truth, in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me, somebody say purge me. me. You can say it better than I say it one more time, purge me. Amen. Purge me with hyssop. I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my transgressions or iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of, my, of, of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. I want to talk about for the duration of our time that we have together, the characteristics of a repentant believer. The characteristics of a repentant believer. Let's go before Jesus tonight. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, we thank you and we honor you for the glory of repentance May gloom and doom not rest on us tonight. But Lord God, a sense of grace and a sense of mercy and a sense of truth are coexisting all in the room at the same time by the power of your spirit. We invite the power and the oil of heaven to reign in here tonight as you turn us back to you, as you turn us back your direction, as you turn us in places in our lives where we've called off limits, where you open us up again, where you turn us once again, somebody that doesn't know you, turn them for the first time. The person that knows you but is running scared or acting a fool in different areas of their life or comprehensively in their life, will you turn them tonight, God? Turn them back to you. Turn us back to you with hands uplifted, heart broken, and tears in our eyes, and feet making a U-turn towards the cross. Yet again, that every believer has to do on every occasion of hurt and sin and brokenness in our life. Move in only the way you can move. That's what we beg you tonight, Lord. Let, Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable. In your sight, oh God, our strength, our redeemer, in whom we trust, and help us not to just be hearers of the word, deceiving ourselves, but help us to be doers. And Lord, I pray that you would be glorified, your saints would be edified, and your enemies would be horrified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Um, 
I don't do it as much as I would like to. How far down can I come, Pastor? I can come. Okay, perfect. Um, I like. I'm a walker. I got issues. Um, <laughs> um, I, I don't do it as much as I used to. But one of my favorite parts of pastoring is being a part of the journey of couples. How many college students we got in here? How many college students? About show of hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all scream, college students. Just scream real quick. Perfect, perfect, perfect. And our our our, our church is located. Uh, in North Philadelphia, near Temple University, right near Temple's campus. And so we get people from our neighborhood indigenous to the city, and we get people from all around the region, um, but we also get lots of college students. We have a saying at Epiphany Fellowship that happens, and this is no knock on no haterade or no singles. Um, I'm just letting you know something that happens. A lot of times people uh, meet Jesus, meet each other, get married, and have babies. That's that's the that's that's like the, the the story and trajectory of the lives of many. I know some of y'all is excited about that type of story already. I can feel your excitement. Um, but I don't. As, but but one of the part of their journey that I like to be a part of is is premarital counseling. I love to see God bring couples together and help couples to really begin to develop in their framework for the basics of a foundation of what it means to represent. Jesus Christ and his church through illustrating that through learning what it means to be in a marital relationship. And one of the things about our premarital process that I like is we like people to not be engaged already in working on stuff to get married so that their premarital process is free from the pressure of not dealing with their stuff so they can work through some stuff. Not that you work through stuff, you can work through everything now because you're going to be dealing with some mess, but at least you have some tools to deal with your mess. Amen, somebody. And and, and so in light of that, what happens is, 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 I can remember one couple in particular. One couple in particular, and and, and, and as I'm working with them through the premarital process, I have a section in the premarital process where I, I, I say, I want you to list your mom and dad's name if you know them or your guardian's name. And what I want you to do is I want you to list the good characteristics about them the bad characteristics about them, both of you, and then what I want you to do is I want you to ask somebody else, not yourself, how many of those negative characteristics of them that you see, they see imprinted on your life. (laughs) And and, and what they begin to do is they begin to learn a lot about themselves and begin to develop through that so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can speak to those issues and they can have the word of God informing those things. But one of the things that I began to learn in doing premarital counseling and one of the most hard things that couples dealt with was something deep is is the lack of repentance that was over their home. I I can't tell you how many couples um, and how many individuals were just broken by the fact that their parents could never admit when they were wrong. And the impact of their parents not being able to admit that they were wrong caused the trajectory of their journey to be impacted by a clog that if their parent or a guardian repented of, it would open the floodgates of a release and a fellowship that that person didn't feel like they was experiencing if that person would just repent. And one of the things that I'm learning more and more about life and about the Christian life, that if you're going to walk with Jesus Christ, you're going to have to have a lifestyle of repentance. That that means repentance assumes that you're a mess. I'm going to just look around the room because somebody don't think that yet. (laughs) A a, a, a 
come, but every one of us are positionally sanctified, but we're practically a mess. When you trust Jesus Christ as Savior, you are, you are loved. You're, you're, you're not, you're, 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 God doesn't love you more in heaven when you die or when you're glorified, when Jesus comes back, gives you a brand spanking new body. He doesn't love you more than God loves us in the midst of our messiest mess and on our worst day where we hated what we did. And that's what's powerful about it. But what's beautiful about a life that's driven by and potently committed to repentance is is that repentance is a consistent renewal, not of your relationship with God, but your fellowship and community with the Godhead. And so we come to a passage. We come to a powerful, powerful passage. To me, family of God, this is sort of an ode to repentance. That this passage is sort of a sonnet, if you will, of repentance. Uh, the, the, the word repentance is nowhere in this passage in the Hebrew language nor in the English language. <coughs> but it's impossible to read Psalm 51 and not recognize that repentance has taken place because of what the definition of repentance is. What is, what, what is repentance, somebody's asking. I'm glad you asked. Repentance is to feel remorse and contrition of your self-reproach so that you can turn the opposite direction, i.e. change your mind. Repentance is changing your mind about what you think things should be like in your life and turning to the way God wants things to be in your life. That's why in Mark chapter 1, Jesus' first sermon was copped from John. What did he do? John came on the scene, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus came on the scene, repent for the kingdom of heaven at hand. In other words, metanoia, change your mind about what you think the kingdom should, is like. Change your mind about what you think God is like. Change your mind to think uh, uh, about what you think about what redemption is like. Change your mind about sexuality and what you think it's like. And embrace what God says it is. That's, that's repentance at its best. So as we, as we come here and we look in this glorious passage, I have a, just a few points that I, I'd like to extract from this and just talk to, about from the scriptures as we look at this. The first point uh, that I'd like to extract and make is a repentant person. The first characteristic that I see in this passage of a repentant person is a repentant person throws themselves on the character of God. A repentant person throws themselves on the character of God. And in this passage, we'll see that this is written probably over, if not nine months to a year, after David sinned with Bathsheba in 2 Samuel 14. And, 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 and what happened with David is he was out and he was, uh, he was chilling in his crib. And his boys went out to war, you know what I'm saying? So my man put on his robe and, you know, cocked his uh, crown to the side. And he walked out to his terrace like so. I don't know if he had on some bling bling on his fingers because he was a king. And um, he walks out and he looks over the kingdom. He's like, wow, catching some breeze and carrying on. Then he sees a little shorty, a little dime piece. It's in the Bible, just like that. 
off in the distance, you know, getting her bath on. Now, David liked what he saw. Now, I know nobody in here turns their head when they see something. They like. I'm just talking about what David did. <clears throat> you know, we holy and everything. So, David was like, yo, I'm going to get that shorty. Yo, come here. He tells, he tells one of his dudes, go get shorty, bring her here. David brings her in, gets at her, sends her to the crib, chills in his crib, hides it, puts it under a shelf. But then, dude came to one day, David sitting on his throne judging, you know what I'm saying, killing the text, killing the scriptures, you know what I'm saying, rocking on, talking, you know, judging as a king does. So, so, so his boy Nate walks up in there. Big Nate walks in there, and um, they said, what's up, David? He gave him a pound, loved on him like that. He said... So, yo, David, I got a story for you, dog. You know what I'm saying? This death poetry night. Listen, um, <laughs> chop it up for you a little bit right now, right? Um, so it was this dude. He goes through this story about this dude who snatched this. This dude had a bunch who snatched this guy's little lamb. And so he said, "Bring the, bring money in here. I'm stabbing them out. Bring Shorty in here. We getting them now." Nate says, "Homie, you the man." All of a sudden, David does something that even though he didn't come out and he was caught, I find it beautiful what he did. He didn't blame anybody. He said, I have sinned against the Lord. As messed up as what he did was, when he was confronted with what he did, he centered his sin issue, and I'm going to come back to that in a little bit, with the Lord. And he grieves. And he's broken <coughs> about his sin. And God begins to deal with him and challenges, challenge him about the fact that he, he did not respect his glory because of the way that he sinned. And David, being a godly person that all of us are, godly people are not people that don't sin. Let me explain that to you. Godly people sin, but they also repent. What makes a person godly is their commitment to know that they're not going to let their messed upness help cause them not to push further into their commitment to walking with God through Jesus Christ. Let me just pause right here parenthetically and let you know something. I don't care what type of mess you're caught in. I don't care what type of mess you did this morning. I don't care what type of mess you did last night. I don't care what type of mess you did last week. You're not so far off. You're not so pushed away that you can't turn towards the living God by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone. You can turn. <clears throat> so David, in writing this, turns towards the Lord and he begins talking about the attributes of God. Look at what he does in the text. He says, have mercy on me, O God. That is beautiful. He basically, see, 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 it's funny. See, we live in that don't judge me culture. You can't judge, that's judging. Okay, you know, if one more, I'm telling you today, and if one, oh, help me, God. If I hear one more TV show, one more YouTube video, one more Vine, one more Facebook, 
one more tweet, one more Instagram, or whatever other social media that this mess is going through. I, I don't want to hear anybody say, don't judge. I like the way the fact, these people that use the idea, don't judge me, means that they say, I want God to judge me. Now, I don't know about you. I don't want God to judge me. As a matter of fact, I want to be in a church community where they judge me so that God won't judge me later. Somebody going to get that on the way home. And, 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 and And so when somebody gets in your face like Nate and jams you up, which you need people in your life that aren't nice to you in your language. See, most of us want people around us that, that just tell us how nice we are when we stink. You need people in your life that make you write a song. Nate, Nate, this dude comes out repentant. You, you get jammed up so bad, you write a song about how broken you are and your desperate need for the Lord. So David began, he said, have mercy on me. He said, don't give me what I deserve. You know why? <clears throat> because he knew he had two counts of death on him. Why? Because he murdered a man worthy of death, adultery worthy of death. And he was guilty of conspiracy. So David knew that he was guilty. And in him knowing that he was guilty, he he didn't act like he was, don't judge me. Everybody sins. Everybody has issues. Let me tell you, if somebody come jam you up and then you all of it, what do you, in your life, do you, are you perfect? Are you holy? Are you Jesus? Well, don't say nothing to me. But no, that's not what it's about. It's about a bunch of messed up. The church is nothing but a bunch of messed up people that are growing and being less messed up over time. (laughs) That's the church. And so David asked for mercy. Somebody say mercy. Mercy. So he asked God, to to God, based on your characteristic of your mercy, your your chesed, uh, here it can also point to the New Testament idea of charis or grace where he gives merit, unmerited favor as well. But here it's pointing to God. Don't give me what I deserve. I deserve death. And what I like about what God said to David, he said, even though you deserve death, in, in Samuel, he said, even though you deserve death, I'm not going to cause you to pay for your sins according to what you deserve. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I don't get to pay for my sins. I'm so glad that God doesn't, what if God gave you what you deserve right now? Hold on, hold on. Forget about all your, just one sin that you did today. God fully uploads his Glock from heaven and opens fire on you based on what you deserve, based on not what you did, but what you thought. See, some of us don't know we need mercy because we think we're so cool. We, we grew up in the church. We were in the youth group, and we sang Kumbaya at the camp, and we think we're, we, we just think, I don't know. I've ne- I haven't done anything. I, I'm a good person, basically. I don't do anything to hurt anybody and, I, and all that. And so we don't think we need mercy. But see, a true person that understands the comprehensive idea of repentance think they might have done something and know that they need mercy. That's why the Bible says in Lamentations 3 that his mercies are new every morning. I don't know about you, but my alarm clock is mercy. Yeah, that's my alarm clock. Help me today. I, I need the alarm clock of the Holy Ghost to wake me up every morning. You and I didn't have to wake up this morning, but God is so good and rich in mercy that he dispensed an alarm clock and gave you another day to represent you, represent him. And I love that about him. Oh God, I got to move. Help me, Father. <laughs> so he says, have mercy on me. Oh God, 
According, I love this. I love this. He says, according to your steadfast love. This is the word here, actually, Hesed. Love this word. King James Version translates it loving kindness. Um, but, 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 but here it says steadfast love. It's really an untranslatable word. But, but, but the word in aspects of its points means loyalty. It, it, it literally means to have a level of loyalty to someone. That, that, that means that God, David says, I need you to show me mercy according to your loyalty to you, not your loyalty to me. God's loyalty to us is what gives him loyalty. To, his loyalty to himself helps him to get loyalty to us because he's beginning to talk covenant language here. And, and this covenant language is talking about the covenant that he was under, and he promised to dispense steadfast love and loyalty. Let, let me tell you, let me see if I can make it plain. The people in your life that are your closest friends are the ones that have seen you at your worst points and still hung out with you. And when that happens over and over and over again, where you, you, they see how jacked up you are. Y'all fuss at each other. Y'all cuss each other out, which you shouldn't be doing in Jesus' name. I'm just mentioning that because I know some of y'all are doing it. And then, and you still stay in relationship with that person. And over time, what builds intimacy is you know that that person has seen you at your worst points and they still are remaining in a relationship to you. That builds loyalty. That builds a sense of trust. And, and David is asking God to apply that yet once again. Apply your commitment to love me through my mess. Apply your loyalty to love me in spite of me. I need that in my life right now, God. That's what he's saying. And he calls for it in a powerful powerful, powerful way. He says, according to your abundant mercy, I need mercy on steroids. You see, he goes from just mercy to abundant mercy. That means steroids mercy. That means mercy that's injected with more mercy, with more mercy on top of more mercy and on top of more mercy, because the greater the sin, the greater the depth of need for mercy. And so David goes into that. He says, blot out my transgressions and wash me, wash me, Wash me thoroughly. That means I want to be totally clean from my iniquity and cleanse me and cleanse me, cleanse me from my sin. Second point, I got to move. Second characteristic in this passage, this is not an exhaustive picture, not an exhaustive picture. I'm going to come back to clean in a second. This is not an exhaustive picture of the characteristics, but these are just some. Second point. So the first point was he threw himself on the character of God, God's mercy and God's loyalty. Number two, a repentant person fully owns the extent of their sin. A, a repentant person fully owns the extent of their sin. Look at verse three. He says, for I know my transgression. Let's stop there. This word, no. Is, 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 is a rich word in the Old Testament. It's the word yada. Somebody say yada. I like that word. When, when, when a husband and wife come together in the Bible, it says, and he yadad his wife. He knew her. When God talks about Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 3, he says, before I formed you in the womb, I yadad you. 
Well, what, what is he saying there? He, 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 he's saying that, 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 that the idea of know there is to have intimate acquaintance with someone, something, or someplace. It is important for the repentant person to know intimately how much they messed up. In other words, David is saying, I, 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 I want to make sure that I recognize the, the, the full extent of the mess that I said. Ain't nothing worse than someone that wants you to get over what you did against them real quick. As a husband, sometimes, see, I ain't going to say amen on that. That's okay. Um, my, see, my wife, sometimes I sin against her, and you know how the, the house, when a husband sins against, see, for the married men, they know I'm talking about. When you sin against your wife, the temperature of the house changes. Like, it's just different. Even if you don't know that you sin, you know that you sin because the temperature gauge on the wall just goes up to boiling. And you know that something's wrong, then you say, uh, if, if she says this, if she say, babe, can we talk? You, you know you sin. That's like every man's nightmare when she say, can we talk? That means it's going to be bad, okay? Just know that. That's good premarital training. Um, but, 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 but the other thing is, is when you finally talk and she begins to my wife begins to share her heart with me about how I sinned against her. And then I begin to minimize the depth of what I did to her. She wants to know. See, she don't want to just hear I'm sorry. She wants to know, do I know the depth of what I did and how it hurt her? And when I own that, then, then the house temperature changes. It's like, Phew. I'm like, wow, give me a jacket. It's cool in here now. You know what I'm saying? Because, because now I'm owning the foot. Because David is saying, I know the shrapnel and collateral damage that my sin has caused. And many of us in here have caused sin, shrapnel and damage and collateral damage. And, and you minimize it. You want people to get over what you did to them quickly. That's not a repentant person. <clears throat> a repentant person always recognizes <clears throat> that your sin is like napalm. Napalm is a bomb that they used in, uh, the, uh, uh, in, in, in World War II, the Korean War, and um, in, in, in Vietnam. When the bomb dropped once, it, it dropped shrapnel pieces off of it that exploded over and over and over again until the last armed pieces were done. That's what, that's what um, a sin does in people's lives many times based on the scale of the impact of the sin. And what is helpful in our lives is we always have a disposition to be open to hear how we hurt people and how we messed up. But when that happens, it, it, it is beautiful for a person to experience the healing of your admission. The healing of, you, you just don't know what it would be like to not get on the defensive when somebody tell you how messed up you are. See, see, many of us don't like to hear anybody tell us about ourselves. And so as soon as we get engaged about, about, about can, I, can I just say something? Can I? Can I just say something in the middle of this? Can I? Hold on. Okay. Finish talking. You've been talking for a while, though. Go ahead. Keep going. And then you want to, you know what I'm saying? Well, I'm, I'm just saying, you've been talking about, can I just explain? See, when you got to get all in there and try to explain what you, that wasn't my intent and all that, you, you're not repenting. Because you're getting defensive versus getting repentant. And the repentant person says, I, I, I don't even know how bad I messed up. Things, but what I want to do is I want to open the floodgate of the door so open that this person can, can, can know that I want to deal with the breach that's between me and them. Many of us in here have relationships and issues uh, and breaches between people that, that, that we need to deal with. 
Some of us, some of us are, are, are blind because we, we never, some of us have burnt every relationship we have because we never want to admit that we're wrong. And, and, and many of us are wondering, why won't anybody in the church connect? Why don't I have any friends in community? Why don't I have no relationship? Because many of us have burned every relationship that we've been in because of our lack of commitment to admit anything. And when there's a breach between you and a person, you can't just move on. You can't force people to move on. You can't just push them forward. There has, listen, you can't even get saved without repentance. You can't. God doesn't overlook sin and save you. That makes him unjust if he did. So I, I, we have Muslims in Philly. We have Muslims in Philly, Orthodox, Sunni, Salafi Muslims. It's about 300,000 of them now. Out of 1.5 million people in the city limits of Philadelphia, um, one of the largest growing religions in Philadelphia is Orthodox, Sunni, Salafi, Islam. And one of the things I always ask Muslims is, is, is this where they always get stumped on sin? And, and I, ask, I, ask you, I, ask, I say, so talk to me about how Allah deals with sin. Well, they say, well, I, I see on, on Allah, the benefit and the merciful, the benevolent and the merciful, he weighs my good and my bad. And if my good outweighs my bad, I, he can still not let me into paradise, but he can forgive my sins or he can choose if my bad. And I, I'm getting real confused as I'm listening to the conversation. And, and I say, well, if that's your definition of what God is like, then we're not serving the same God. They say, what do you mean? I say, because my God is too holy to just forgive you of your sin. I say, what do you mean? I say, my God is so holy that he enacts his love by not letting me get away with my sin, but willing to send my behind to hell. Now, what he does, though, He's so loving and gracious at the same time with his holiness because he's not just holy wrath and justice. He's holy love and grace and mercy. And so what he does, this is powerful. He brought Jesus Christ to earth to point at the fact and to give me an exemplification on the cross for me to know my sin. When you look at the cross, it is your ability to know your sin. The tearing of Jesus' skin off is to know your sin. Him suffocating on our behalf is to know our sin. The cross is us to know how God felt about the extent of the sin of Adam and the sin of each one of us. And Jesus suffocating and the exposure of his organs was to help us when the Holy Spirit takes the blinders off our eyes to see uh, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ based on 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3, 2, 3, and 4. And based on 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, it said no one can confess Jesus except by the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God has to take the veil off our eyes. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says he puts faith in us and not only that, he makes us alive. Titus chapter 3 verse 5, giving us the ability to see and to believe. So to know your sin is to be made alive in Christ and to say, I didn't know I was that messed up, God. As you look at Christ, he said, I know my sin now. <coughs> I repent of my sin. 
and I turn to Jesus Christ as my Savior by grace alone, through faith alone, through faith. He has to do it. He has to make you alive by faith. He has to give you the faith and the repentance to see. Repentance is an application of faith. It's an act of faith. It's an act of belief that you agree that you're messed up and that God isn't and that Christ was worthy to be slain for you. That's what it's for. That's what it's for. That's what it's for. So we, we got to intimately know our jacked upness, if you will. <clears throat> and the more you get to know how intimately you've messed up and you stare at the holiness of God, you see the chasm you know you need. But if you look at everybody else <clears throat> and what somebody else did, you won't know your sin. Don't point the finger when God is dealing with you. <laughs> because do you know God accosting you is an act of grace? Do you know the conviction of the Holy Spirit is a blessing? If you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your soul, you should, you should shout and run around this church 15 times. Because that means that God softened your heart to hear him. But if you can sit under preaching and you can get in community and you can listen to podcasts and read books and not sense any conviction, be very afraid. And so he says, I know that, that it's almost like he's broken, but it's a broken celebration of the fact that God let him see. When God lets you see your sin, it's a grace. Because now you, when, when you see your sin, you're like, dang, because it, you know that you're being helped by God if he shows you how messed up you are. If you don't know that you're messed up, you're not being helped by God. See, somebody going to get them on the way home. See, let me, let me explain something to you. If you don't see you, you're not being shown anything. If you see you, you're being shown everything. And that means that's an offer. No matter how old you are, break the stereotype, older saints, to not get stuck in your ways in older age. Break the stereotype of leading out in repentance and leaving a legacy of repentance. Matter of fact, it, just go from here and say, I need, tell me, have I ever, see, you're going to bless some people. If you just go up to them and say, have I ever messed up? I'm like, Lord Jesus, um, here go the catalog right here. I was waiting for this to happen. Clat out. A phone book is going to be open like a mug, right? And then they go through it, and you be patient through it. I got to move. David says, I know. I know. I know. I know my sin. I love it. So I know my transgression, and my sin is ever before me. That means that for a year straight, he was convicted before his man Nate came to him. That's why he was, so, he was able to repent so quickly when his boy Nate got in his grill. He says, my sin is ever before me. He said, against you and you alone have I sinned. I love that. I love the fact that he says, against you and you only have I sinned and done evil in your sight. He's not saying I didn't sin against anybody else. He's trying to say, ultimately, my sin is against you, God. Because when you recognize ultimately that your sin is against God, it can impact you to know that it was also against others. But if you deal only with others and don't deal with God, repentance can't take place. And so he says... And the done was evilness, he said, so that you may be justified in your words. He said, you could have got at me. He said, you, 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 you justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. So I, I can't trip off of you and say you're an unfair God. Like, I don't, to be honest, you don't want God to be fair. If you want God to be fair, it's over. It's curtains. Okay? But he wasn't. And he goes down. And David begins to lay out and deal with the fact that he says, Behold, I was brought forth 
in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. He said, this is a deeper issue. He began speaking almost like prophetically that it was a deeper issue. It's a deeper issue with my soul because now, God, this is not just connected to this sin. This sin that I committed of brokenness is a symptom of something deeper, original sin. And he's, he begins to talk about the fact that, Lord, I, 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 it's almost like he has divine imagination under the unction of the Holy Spirit. And I'll show you that in a second. But then he goes and he begins to talk about being brought forth in iniquity. And in sin, did his mom conceive him? Last point, I'm out your way. Those who, those who are repentant. <clears throat> Last characteristic. Because it's beautiful to, to recognize uh, throwing yourself on the mercy of God and his, char- his characteristics. Throwing yourself on who he is. Um, but then to own the extent of your sin is an extremely powerful thing to own it. It's powerful. It's a grace. But number three, number three, number three, repentance for us, the repentant person longs for real transformation. Look at what David says. He says, you delight in truth in the inward being. I like that. When David talks about God delighting in truth in the inward being, God, 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 David is saying, you, 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 you have, a, you have a, a joy of truth being on the inside of me. Now, the word here for truth isn't what you think it is in relation to what it's being used for in this passage. Truth in this passage doesn't just point to information, even though it applicationally involves that. Truth in this section of the passage means authenticity. In other words, God delights in us being honest with where we are. In him talking about uh, 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 this idea of truth, it it also points to, in that authenticity, it points to firmness. It points to stability. It it points to fidelity. Uh, it, 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 It points to uprightness and integrity of mind based on being impacted by the word, but it's a commitment. It's almost the same idea as in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, when it says, in, in your faith, add to your faith moral excellence. In other words, a commitment to God's standards. And so here in this passage, he said, God, you like it when I'm honest with how messed up I am because truth can dwell there. When, when, you're, when you're honest about where you are, that's a beautiful part of being a believer is you have redeemed authenticity. Oh, but it's not just keeping it real, just somebody, I'm, I'm going to keep it real, and you're just being all wild about your sin. Not, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about being real with God, like it says in Psalm 62, 8, pour out your heart before the Lord. <clears throat> that points to us opening up ourselves and saying, God, this is where I am. I desire you to come in and wreck shop. Listen to what he says next. Teach me wisdom in the secret heart. I love that. Wisdom is hakma. The word means skillful living. In other words, help me not to just be theologically astute. Help me to understand theology, but help me to know how to live it out. Teach me wisdom in how to not just be a smack talker and on every blog knowing everything. Help my feet to be a blog of your holiness. That, 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 that's, that, that, that's what they, he said, teach, he said, teach me truth in the inward part. In other words, David says, matter of fact, God, since you clean the house, I'm going to just start opening up stuff in my life for you to get into. He, he says, since you're cleaning, 
You know what I'm saying? Why, why don't you just come in? You, you know, um, and, and our building, when we first got our building, Epiphany Fellowship, um, our building was rat and roach infested. Um, um, the, 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 the guy opened one of the cabinets. It's a crawl space. And when he looked in there with his flashlight, it said, shh, shh, shh. It, it was just... It was just like in here, but just imagine y'all all roaches open up a cabinet. <laughs> just imagine that. And he said, Dr. Mason, you have a problem. I said, I, that's why I called you, okay? I need you to tell me again, okay? I didn't own a sin of my sin. So, um, <laughs> so he said, what I need you to do is I need you to open up everything. So everything that has a knob on it, I need you to open it up. Um, and I said, I said, why? He said, because if I clean these areas right here, then the infestation that's in these other areas that close when you open those areas, it'll reinfest everything. And so what I, what I, what I want to do is I want to get in here and I want to, I want to clean up everything and I want to do a wholesale cleaning. See, when you're repentant, you start opening up every door in your soul. When you repent, you start saying, oh God, I got, now some, you know, I, I know for me, I got skeletons. Some be like, God, let me just tell you something, God. I ain't been in here in a long time. It's been like 15 years. I ain't opened this door in a long time. So I'm just telling you, it's like an old refrigerator up in this, up in this. I mean, it's maggots and everything. And, 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 you know, and you know, one of the things that we have to stop thinking is that God is surprised by our mess. He sees everybody's mess, actual and potential at the same time and still loves us. So he, he invites you to open up those areas of your life so that you can deal with every single area of your life. And, and, and this is my desire for us tonight. And I know this is the pastor's desire for us tonight. I want you tonight to start opening up areas. Open up areas tonight. You, you, it, it, some stuff you've been dealing with, some strongholds you've been dealing with, and some stuff that you haven't been able to shake. And we're going to Voltron our faith together. I, I want us to Voltron, if you will, or my, some of y'all are too young for that, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers our faith, okay? Some of y'all are like, okay, I'm there now. I don't know what you're talking about. But I, I want us to lock it in together. And I, I want us to believe God together to open up spaces that have been closed in our life for a long time. And, 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 and ask God, God, teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Why does he say secret heart? The place he didn't open. God, I want you to open areas of my life that I have viewed off limits for years. Bitterness and unforgiveness that I had for that rape or that molestation that happened to me that you've never forgiven God of and you've justified a life of sin in response to the fact that you don't believe that God dealt with that issue of hurt towards you the way you wanted him to deal with it. Repent tonight. Repent of your plan to sin. Repent of your desire to go to college for freedom, to not get an education, to resource the kingdom, to glorify God, but to be debaucherous. Repent. Repent tonight, husband, who doesn't speak to his wife because she doesn't make herself available like she want, you want her to. Uh, repent, wife, for not uh, loving your husband rightly because he's not leading the way you want to. Tonight, repent. Single person, repent of the pride of wanting your life isolated. 
and wanting it to be on your own. Repent, 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 repent of believing that the Christian life starts when you're 50. Repent of believing that God is not good. Repent and believe that God is merciful. Repent that God's word is true and every man is a liar. Repent, 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 repent and turn to the Lord tonight. Our God is good, and his mercy endures forever. Let me just tell you something. Even though everything you go through ain't good, he still is. Don't you let something you go through, let the devil make you think that God isn't good. He's good. And David, David, David in his place, he says, God, give me my joy back. Can I have my joy back? The joy of being in a relationship with you back. <clears throat> Maybe you're here tonight. You lost. You didn't lose your joy because it's there if you're saved. You have the fruit of the Spirit. It's just that it's barricaded off from your usage because of the caking over of the deceitfulness of sin, Hebrews 3.13. We're calling for a sense of of extravagant faith. David says, give me a clean heart and renew the right spirit within me. He's, it's, it's, he's pointing to what Jesus does, what Jesus ultimately is going to do in the gospel. Having a renewed heart means, based on Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27, God takes out the heart of stone, unresponsive to him, puts a heart of flesh in it, you, puts his spirit in you, puts his word in you, calls you to walk in his statutes. I want to pray tonight for cleanness of heart, for those who don't know Jesus, those who want to put their faith in the fact that God on the cross, God got on the cross, Jesus Christ got on the cross, and God poured out his anger towards us on him instead of us. Raised him on the third day so that anybody put their confidence in the fact that it was done for him to crush the beef between God and man, particularly between you and him. We want to pray for you tonight. That's the first group. And I, I want to pray for a second group too. I want to pray for a second group. I want to pray for a second group of people. I want to pray for you because I want to pray that by Jesus Christ's name that somebody would return to him tonight. Somebody that's you come to church and you, you do all the right stuff but you know that you're distant from Jesus. You, you, you haven't experienced the joy of his presence in a while, and you know it's because, even if you don't know what's in say, God, I, I want to return to you tonight. If, if, if you, if you want to put your faith in Christ tonight, just slip your hand in the air. I want to pray for you. Every head bow, every eye closed. I just want to pray for you. If you say, I want to, I see that hand. You want to put your faith in Jesus Christ for the first time. Slip your hand in the air. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see the hands over here. I see the hands over here. If you say, I want to put my confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ tonight, I want to pray for you so that you can recognize and understand what it means for Christ, for Christ, for his glory to take on your sin and mine. If you trusted him by faith, God takes you from spiritual death to spiritual life. I want to pray for you, Father, those who place their hands in the air. 
God, I'm, I'm praying for them right now. God, that you would help them to authentically put their confidence in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And the fact that Christ died on the cross for their sins so that they wouldn't have to spend eternity away from him, i.e. you. He did in six hours on the cross what it would have taken us an eternity in hell to do. Pay for sins. He was raised with all power in his hands. He's coming back again. If you prayed with me with that, there's a connection center back there. Someone after this, please, if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, once you head back to the connection center, somebody there is going to be waiting for you to be able to give you more information, give you more information about what it means for the grace of the decision that God graced you to make. But now for those who, you know there's some barricades in your walk with Christ. I'm not going to pump you, prime you. I'm not going to push you. I just want you to flood the front. I want you to pray. I want to pray with you. If you're here tonight and you say, God spoke to me about my need for repentance, just come forward. I want to pray for you tonight. I want us to pray together tonight about our desperate need for him. Anybody want to come forward for prayer? Anybody? I see you priming the pump, fam. I see you coming up. Thank you for your boldness. Thank you for your boldness. Anybody else? It says, yeah, I, I, I need to turn back to the Lord. I'm tripping. I need him. I desperately need him. I haven't been walking with him. I haven't been. I've been hiding things from him. And I want, I, I, I want, I want the fullness of continued joy. And this is going to be a continued thing in life of repenting and turning towards Jesus Christ. Anybody else? Don't wrestle about it. This is, God's providing a phenomenal opportunity. Phenomenal opportunity for you to experience having your commitment to him renewed and empowered yeah I see you coming thank you all for coming I see the guys coming thank you fellas for coming thank you ladies for coming thank you for your boldness seasoned saints thank you for coming young saints yeah that's what's up yeah yeah that's that's great yeah 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 this is this is it this is this is the opportunity grab the opportunity while God provides it I thank you for popping up I saw y'all too thank you thank you for popping up and saying I, I, I want my intimacy with Jesus back Anybody want their, I see the people coming from the back. Come on up. It's, we'll wait for you. We'll wait for you. Yeah, we'll wait for you. Anybody else? Anybody else is saying, yeah, we can wait on y'all. We see you coming. We're going to wait. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming, bro. Thank you, sis. Yeah. It's glorious. Yeah. for a few more. I see them coming from the back. Amen. You can already start praying before I pray. You can talk to your Lord. You got one mediator and it's him. Uh, if you're wrestling, just come on. If you're wrestling, that means you need to come. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Let's pray. If I'm praying already and you want to come, thank you for popping up. Thank you for popping up. Thank you for popping up. If I'm praying, you can, you can still come on up. Thank you for popping up, sis. I see, I see you coming, bro. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah, I, I don't want to rush this. Pastor, how much time I got? I'm good, okay. Yeah, I, 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 I don't want to rush what God is doing. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you for your boldness. 
Thank you for submitting. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Bless you. Bless you. Anybody else? Thank you, bro, for coming. Thank you, bro. There's no condemnation. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's not a time of condemnation. It's a time for restoration. God restores the weary soul. He gives strength to the weak. He gives strength to the weary. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, today. I see you coming over here. Thank you for coming. I see you coming, bro. Thank you for being bold, popping up. That's great. Love that. Love that. Thank you, sis. Yeah. Amen. Living God. We worship you, God. We worship you for who you are. I see y'all coming. Come on. I'm still praying. It's good. Y'all can still come. We worship you, living God, today for those who've come forward and saying they want renewal today. They want that renewal that only you can give, God. You, you do renew the right spirit within us. Repentance is not something we can just decide to do. It's something that you have to strengthen and empower. And God, I just hear the weeping and the brokenness before you today. And God, you said you're near to the brokenhearted. You're near to those who are crushed in spirit. Lord God, you say if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us of every last one of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God, I'm praying for breakthroughs. I'm praying for breakthroughs. <clears throat> I'm praying for your people all around this altar or front of the building, if you will, to open up the caverns of their soul that have been off limits to your spirit and that you would clean those places out based on 1 Peter 3.15 that they would set Jesus aside as Lord in those different areas that have been closed off and clogged off and dark and broken and senseless that you would bring shalom through the oil of heaven and the blood of Christ. God, I pray that even if they don't know what their sin is, that you would bring it to their mind and give them clarity, whether in relationship or in time with you. And that they would turn to you and have a, a ferocious on fire relationship with you. Lord, I pray that being on fire for God wouldn't just be something that we view as a naive act of a young Christian. But being on fire for God is the normal disposition of a Christian who's seeking after their father's business. God, I'm praying in the name of Jesus tonight that everybody, no matter how old they are, it's not too late. I pray for the seasoned saints up here, God, that you would restore to them, based on Joe, restore to them the years that the locusts have eaten. People that feel like they've wasted their time and I could have been better than this now. I could have been more mature than this now. Why, why did I wait? God, will you catch them up 
from the time that they've wasted based on your word, God. Will you, will you, will you, will you shower them with your grace and your love and your peace and your loyalty, your steadfast love, your loving kindness, and let them know that you love them and that you're for them, but it's based on your glory and your glory alone and centered on Jesus Christ. Mighty Master, pray that tonight wouldn't be a superficial thrill for anybody, but it would be a journaling moment for somebody that they would get home tonight, open up their journal, And they would say, you know what? God did something in me tonight. And I want to mark this time and get a stone of remembrance in my journal to say, this was the night where God turned it for me. That this was the night that God gave me a different picture of some things in my life that I didn't understand, but he met me through his spirit and through his word and by his son, Jesus Christ. And that this would mark a day of shalom and change and a trajectory of commitment that leads to deeper repentance, deeper love, deeper grace, deeper service, and ultimately deeper worship. God, we love you, and we thank you. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.